welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Visit the Northeast of Scotland podcast with me, your host, Jacqueline Bonnenacker. In today's episode, we're meeting with Vivian Ray, who has a professional and personal passion for tourism in the northeast of Scotland. Not only does Vivian work as a marketing guru for several events and tourism-related businesses, she also dedicates a large portion of her time to volunteering on a variety of committees that put on events in the northeast. Vivian shares with us what she loves about festivals and the many opportunities we have to learn something new about our past. Keeping traditional stories and skills alive is an important part of sharing our heritage and the chance to get together and socialize is integral too. The recent move to virtual events is a positive one and Vivian believes in some ways it's a wonderful chance to share our heritage with the people who dream of visiting Scotland. In the last few months, people have also been traveling more in their own areas and discovering their part of Scotland and seeing what they have with a fresh perspective. Vivian, thank you very much for joining me today and uh, being part of today's podcast. I'm looking forward to discussing some of the topics today, including some of the festivals that we have in and around Aberdeenshire and activities Just to bring you up to speed, we've already had a few episodes on outdoor tourism and adventure tourism. We've spoken a bit about food and drink as well. That captures a lot of people's interest, but not everyone wants to go hiking up a mountain and really would like to do something a little bit different. And that's what we're going to be including in today's episode here as well. So can we just kick things off with an introduction of yourself and how you got involved in tourism and travel and hospitality? Yes, so I got involved through volunteering with local events and festivals. Um, I am a port soy quine, as they say up here on the coast, and I started off volunteering with the boat festival around about 10 years ago and have since been really heavily involved um, with delivering the the annual event in Port Soy based around the maritime heritage culture that we've got there and I'm also involved with the Cornhill Highland Games as well which is one of the um, games on the Scottish Highland Games circuit. Quite a bit of experience in terms of events and festival delivery and you know the tourism side that, that comes from that. Since then, I've also set up my own freelance business in marketing and PR, um, Evoke Marketing. I started in 2016 and through that have got involved in lots of different tourism projects, working with Visit Scotland, Visit Aberdeenshire and lots of suppliers, if you like, to the tourism trade through hospitality and food production, um, tours, visitor attractions. So quite a breadth of experience and um, underpinning all that, probably quite a passion for, for tourism and the northeast of Scotland as well. So you're based up in Portoy and Macduff, which is, I say, the far north of Aberdeenshire because I'm on, on the south. So there's a, quite a difference in distance between us, even though we're in the same county. What's tourism like up in your part of, of Scotland? I think we're so lucky. I mean, you mentioned there the difference between the, the north and the south of Aberdeenshire. And obviously we've got the coastal um, area that we live in here, which is hugely different to Royal Deeside and, the, you know, the imagery and the experiences that you've got down in the south. So we have a lot of coastal walks. We've obviously got a lot of the beaches that are well used all year round. I would say I'm a, a dog owner and I walk avidly on the beach, regardless of hail, hail sun and rain and 
everything else. So we've got a lot of open spaces, which I think during the, the COVID period has been really, really beneficial for us because we've still been able to go out and walk quite a bit through woodlands and coastal areas, um, maintaining the social distancing, but also just enjoy what is on our doorstep and, and sort of rediscovering that as well. So we've we've got quite a lot up our way in terms of um, festivals, events, obviously based around the maritime culture and heritage as well. Mm-hmm. Again, quite different to, to Deeside and other areas of, of Aberdeenshire. But I think that that just shows the absolute breadth and depth of what we can offer in such a small regional area, really. Mm-hmm. I know there's a, a lot of opportunity for us to get together and, and I suppose uh, festivals stems back to times of harvest times. I mean, you mentioned the Highland Games and, and they do travel throughout the whole of Scotland and extensively in Aberdeenshire as well. And that is historically a really good opportunity for people to come together, to socialise, to meet and to learn and exchange information we do still like the opportunity of coming together. Yeah, we definitely agree with that. I mean, throughout Scotland, I think there are over 60 um, Highland Games during the year, and we're lucky enough to host quite a number of those within Aberdeenshire. Starting from May, we've got Gordon Castle at Fockaburge, just outside the Shire, right through to Cornhill and Old Meldrum in June. We've got Aboyne, Lonach and Ballater in August, and obviously the Bramar Highland Games in September. So it stretches quite far through the summer months, and it's definitely a celebration for both locals and tourists alike to come and and watch the traditional Highland Games events, tossing the caber, throwing the hammer, throwing the stone as well. So obviously the, the, the pipe bands, the Highland dancing, all of these things are a big draw in terms of tourists to come and see the, the real Scottish tradition, if you like, where you can kind of experience the whole of the, the stereotypical Scottish traditions in one day. But equally, it's an important day for, for local residents as well, and definitely a highlight on their calendar for everybody to get together and just celebrate both past and present in terms of traditions and their local communities as well. Mm-hmm. Do you have any festivals that you yourself like to go to? I like quite a mix. So obviously I like the local ones, um, obviously like the ones that I've been involved in as well. I think for me it's about the atmosphere. It's about the mix that the festivals bring for the northeast of Scotland. So we get a real true mix of um, music, of stories, of history, hands-on activities. We get a real, obviously, showcase of the local produce that we've got, which is is wide across Aberdeenshire from from the land, from the sea, especially on our coast, the seafood and the fish, and also the whiskey and the growing craft beer and gin that's appearing across the region. So I think it's just the real atmosphere and the real celebration of a festival for me that really I enjoy. Um, And also the new experiences. You know, we've got festivals throughout, including the Spectra Festival. We've got New Art in Aberdeen. So I think it's about trying something that you maybe haven't tried before or going back to something which is completely different year on year because there's just such a showcase of new and exciting things that are happening. Mm-hmm. I suppose the challenge this year, I mean last year everything was cancelled for obvious reasons and I think the challenge this year is that some of the festivals are now going online and virtual such as Granite War which is the crime and mystery writers event that happens in February which was traditionally like a long weekend where you could uh, go to several venues within Aberdeenshire and hear talks about from authors who write in and around Scotland, stories in and around Scotland. A lot of that's moving virtual now, which is is great. And 
hopefully some of the others like the gin and whiskey festivals will be able to move into a, a virtual realm as well. Can you see a trend for that this year? I think that probably given we're now in February and we still are under lockdown restrictions and things that this summer we would like to think we will start to get back some normality in our lives that we're used to. But I think that the festivals and large gatherings, we, we might just need to be a little bit patient and wait into 2022 before we can all actually be on the ground and enjoy the, the festivals as we are used to. But I definitely think with the virtual festivals, there's scope for getting involved. And people have been really innovative over the last year and how they've delivered that. So some of the whiskey and gin festivals, for example, they're actually doing deliveries to your house. So you then tune in and you can be spoken through the different elements of the, the produce and, and how to mix them, how to taste them um, and how to enjoy them. So I think that there's been, it's been quite impressive really some of the producers and how, how they've taken that innovation and adapted to the world that we're living in at the moment. But I do think that once we come through the, the COVID situation, through out of lockdown, there will be a real hunkering to get back to festivals as we know them and meet with people face to face. I think we're quite au fait with dealing with people now online, which is super, but we would really like to get back to that face-to-face conversations and the spontaneity that festivals and that will allow us to enjoy again. So let's keep everything crossed for 2022 and getting back to, to some normality as we know oh, it. Absolutely. It'll be strange. It's almost like relearning our social skills in some respect, just like it was in, in learning how to do Zoom meetings in a professional way. Now we're having to go back to, oh, how do we meet face-to-face again? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And try to lose the hesitancy that we've got around, um, you know, personal bubbles and the, the, the restrictions that social distancing has taught us over the last year. Yeah. So, But I think that as well, the, the period that we've been through in terms of the COVID lockdown has really encouraged people to get out and explore their own doorstep and explore Scotland as a whole as well. I have so many people who are sun seekers and every opportunity when holidays come, they, they head off for the sunshine. But they've been often doing outdoor camping, camper vanning traveling around you know last summer and how many of them have really really enjoyed it and really experienced what there is in Scotland that they just didn't know about or they've only really experienced in pictures before so I think we've become the real tourists this past year of our own country and now we can sell the story and be brand ambassadors for first the northeast and Scotland as a whole hopefully in the years to come. Absolutely and it's really been helpful that Visit Aberdeenshire especially has done the Revisit or Rediscover Aberdeenshire campaigns which have highlighted all the things that are available and the trends for staycationing or, or using self-catering accommodation and going and exploring independently within Scotland, be able to, to go back and rediscover some of the things that we've lost touch with and, and we've forgotten that we actually had. I think maybe going back to some of the festivals that we spoke about, um, just to touch on you know, we spoke about how they've grown over the years and how they've adapted and maybe started off as small gatherings. And we now um, invite them on an international tourism platform to to open up our, our season for tourism. Um, but, I, you know, we mentioned the Highland Games. We mentioned some of the cultural events that we've got. I think we can probably take that down to the even smaller events and festivals that we offer. So we've got quite a lot of folk music festivals, for example. We've got the Hall in Port Soy in early June. We've got the Stonehaven Folk Festival as well. And 
again, all of that for me just keeps alive the traditions and the cultures and the heritage of the Northeast. It's all about singing of the songs of old, you know, the, the fishwives um, that they would have sung about the country ballads, about the agricultural ballads. And it just kind of keeps that going for me through the generations and allows people to enjoy them, but just, just keeps them alive, really. And then we've also got all of the, the newer f- festivals and events, if you like. So we've got things that have come about, like we mentioned, Tech Fest and Spectra and the Science Fest in Aberdeen so I think that adaptation and that movement with the times is as important as looking back to the traditional festivals and how they've adapted to to the new modern world that we live in but it's amazing for me the attraction that they've got you know it doesn't matter what the the element of the festival is I think the attraction is the atmosphere and the coming together of people to celebrate whatever that topic or theme might be And um, yeah, it's a really important part for me in terms of tourism to attract people to do that and engage the local communities to do it as well. It is. You know, I attended Across the Grain last autumn, which is a festival that was run in Stonehaven, but it was online last year. And it's all about promoting the Doric language and the local dialects from north and south of Aberdeenshire and keeping that alive and reminding people what local language sounds like because we're pretty good in keeping some words within our everyday conversation and I think it depends on whether you're in Aberdeen City or Shire or what part of the Shire you're in how much of the local dialect is is still in use and I know uh, the further north you get the, the more you find it in everyday conversation and the further south you get it loses a little bit so it's nice to be able to hear the slightly different tongues as well from different parts of, of Aberdeenshire. It must be quite a struggle for some of our um, international visitors that come and are used to speaking or have learned, you know, the, the academic English language. And then they come up, especially, as you say, to the northeast and on our, our fishing coasts and villages, where it is a very different language altogether that we talk up here. So, yeah, it must prove quite a challenge for them. But but an important part of our culture and history as well. And um, as, as important as continue with the Gaelic language and any other. That's just what we use every day. And, you know, it's definitely interesting interesting I would say for them to come along and hear it it is and the only way you know we keep coming back to to being social the only way to appreciate those differences is when we can be together we can actually find a lot more commonality when we are closer together and you can pick up and recognize things a lot more easily I think next year in 2022 will present a good opportunity for us um, with Visit Scotland's Seed of Scotland Stories. And I think that hopefully there will be a lot of projects will come out of that that will focus around the language and the dialect and and sharing of the the history and the traditions and the culture of Scotland. I can see a lot of exciting projects coming out of that in terms of tourism next year for our various different groups and communities that we've got in Aberdeenshire to really explore and showcase what we've got on offer. So I think that that will be a really interesting year to tap into next year. Indeed, that will be really good next year to be able to demonstrate, you know, some of the skills and some of the talents and some of the uniqueness of the area. Yeah, and and equally, those um, crafts are you know, the the ultimate showcase at a lot of the festivals that we host in Aberdeenshire as well, through looking at, you know, from handicrafts. So especially along the maritime coast, we look at traditional net making, we look at basket weaving, leather goods, barrel making, obviously, which is still kept up to date in terms of the the whiskey trade. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of different activities that are maybe either have sort of moved on when 
technology has taken over in some ways, but some of them are equally as important, like the whisky barrels, which is such a huge, huge part of our Scottish economy and tourist appeal. So it's really good, I guess, for, for tourists to be able to come in along and experience that as well and see it firsthand and see how all of these things and equally so for locals, because there's probably quite a lot as the generations move along that some of these tools and different ways of doing things will be completely alien and foreign to them because technology has taken over and they're done in a very different way now. So, again, it just kind of keeps all of those things alive and, and real for us, doesn't it? And, and get into the, the experience, maybe even try them at some of the festivals as well. I certainly know with the Portside Vote Festival, you can get hands on there and try some of the different experiences and walking and seal making and different things. So... Um, yeah, I think that just that experiential uh, tourism experiences are, are definitely a highlight for many. Well, I for one can't wait until I, things do start to relax and, you know, we may never get back to the festivals like we had them, but that's okay. We find a new way. Like It'll just be wonderful to experience those things again in person and first hand experience, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. So hopefully uh, next year will, will be the year. And uh, in the meantime, we can still keep ourselves going by attending a lot of the virtual events that we can find in and around. What I'll do as well with each podcast is I, I write a blog post that goes alongside it. So any of the virtual events that we do come across and any of the festivals that, that we know about, uh, we'll put onto this blog post as well. So anyone listening can go to that and potentially sign up for Granite War because that can be attended from anywhere in the world. And it's great just to, to hear uh, about some of the Scottish authors that we have as well. One of the, the things we spoke about earlier is there's actually quite a lot of filming takes place in and around Aberdeenshire that we may not even realise are actually taking place. So sometimes we hear about movies that are supposed to be set in Scotland but are actually filmed somewhere completely different. It's hard to differentiate between what is fake Scotland and what is real Scotland. And one of the few that I... I'm familiar with is the Whiskey Galore film, both the original and the remake, which was, I think, 2018, something like that. I think, yeah, Yeah. 2016. I watched that not that long ago, and it was fabulous recognizing places. It's like, I've been there. I I know exactly where that is. So it's really nice to be able to see in, in this Whiskey Galore film, especially, that not everything is local and everything is filmed in the right places. So are you aware of any other films that have been done in the Northeast? Well, you mentioned Whiskey Glory, and that obviously was filmed in Portsoy and Pennon, and they seem to be two very popular destinations for filmmakers. Um, we're currently setting up in Portsoy just now for Peaky Blinders to to start filming Series 6, which is rather exciting in terms of the, the prospect of some of the actors and cast that may be travelling up to Portsoy and, and put Portsoy on the map that way. If we get anything like the outcome that we did from Whiskey Galore in terms of putting Portsoy on the map and, you know, attracting tourism with the Peaky Blinders film, and then I think that that is a huge benefit for Portsoy and the North East. Pennon, of course, another location and numerous others as well. I believe The Queen with Helen Mirren was filmed um, around about Cluny Castle and Castle Fraser in Aberdeenshire as well. Of course, we've got Slane's Castle, which is hugely popular, was the inspiration apparently for Bram Stoker's Dracula 
and has been used as a, a filming location as well. One that I didn't know about until I was doing a little bit of research on this was Mar Lodge in Deeside apparently was the location for The Dark Knight Rises when Tom Hardy's plane took off um, in the opening scene of that film. So there, are, as you say, there are quite a lot of different locations that we don't recognise or realise that, that they've been used for that. Mm-hmm. But going, looking at our, our castles trail as well, we've got Craigie Var Castle, which again is supposed to be the inspiration behind Disney's Pink Castle. So I think that that just goes to show the, the history and the the um, heritage that we've got in this area that has become such an inspiration for stories and films throughout the the, the years. Mm-hmm. I know it's fascinating. You'll see people who want to emulate that image from the Bond film where M and James Bond are standing at the, the head of the valley of the Glen with the Glen spreading out behind them. We need to come up with a couple of those types of images for the northeast of Scotland as well. <laughs> And we can go chasing, you know, the the famous scenes in films. I think it's so popular, though, with, you know, tourists coming to an area. Obviously, Outlander in the Highlands has been huge for them as well. And it just really puts places on the map. And I think that Aberdeenshire, we've got such stunning scenery here that we take for granted when we're in normal life and travelling to work and travelling to, to shop and to, to the cinema and different things. And it all passes us by. But I think that having been in lockdown, it's really opened our eyes. Once we've been allowed to go back out and explore a bit, you, you sort of start to look at things in a very different light and experience them very differently so we can start to appreciate what tourists see when they they come to Scotland and come to the northeast and see it through their eyes and really appreciate the, the differences and the beauty that we've got here. Definitely yes one of the things with with local tourism as, as well is because we're a bit limited in, in some of the places we can go in terms of attractions more of us are now hitting the road and going exploring within our, our own area and doing some of the popular driving routes. The, the North Coast 500, for example, is really popular, which covers a lot of the West Coast and the central highlands of uh, Scotland. But in this area, we have our own Northeast 250 as well, which covers part of the route that, that you uh, would call home, I suppose, the North, the coastal route in, in the North. Have you seen any influx of people because of the Northeast 250? Well, I've, I worked a little bit on the Northeast 250 project, so was really interested in the development of that. And again, I think it just goes to show within the you know 250 miles what a difference you can experience throughout Aberdeenshire from right along the coast to the mountains and the rivers of, of Royal Deeside. Um, and then depending on the season, you get a very different experience as well. So anything from the summer right through to, to the winter snow roads and, you know, the, the snow on the hilltops and things is very different even for locals to see it through the the four seasons so I think that yes I think people locally are definitely traveling that route to experience it more but it's also just a good map if you like for visitors coming just to to follow and if they wander off the path at any point to explore something then that's ideal that's exactly you know what the purpose of it is but I think that everybody just we can just sort of sell that as a starting point for for people to come and try and explore the northeast and just experience all the different attractions and scenery and everything that we've got that we can offer. So I would definitely say that there has been um, an uptake in terms of travel, the the Northeast as a result of promoting the the Northeast 250. And then we've got the additional, like the snow roads um, route as well that we can explore. So 
it, yeah, it's just another it's another tool, if you like, in our toolkit in terms of tourism professionals to be able to to sell the northeast and what what we have to offer here. So I think it's excellent. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience listening to the podcast today that we haven't covered? No, I don't think so. I think you've made a very good point that anywhere, anyone in the world, anywhere can join our virtual festivals and events. So I think that there's real opportunity there for us as well to allow that to happen. We may have people that are in Canada, America, Australia that are dreaming and longing for the day they can visit Scotland, but they can actually now engage with our virtual events and festivals and get a little bit of the flavour of what they can look forward to when they come and visit us. So really good point there and hopefully everybody will tune in and get involved. Well, thanks very much, Vivian, for speaking to us today and for sharing your information and knowledge about all of the great things happening in the Northeast. Some of the things that are available in terms of filming locations and driving routes and things that we as locals can go and do and explore. And then hopefully we can share that with people from coming in from international locations as well. So thank you for sharing with us and I look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you very much for inviting me along. I've really enjoyed it.